Hello, everybody. Last week, I spoke on the Pacific Division, and today, I'm going to be continuing on with the Divisional Series, and I've got those beauties in the Atlantic Division. All right. I'm going to be talking about one player from each team that is interesting to me uh, going into next season for a variety of reasons. This is the off-season content you didn't even know you needed, but it's here, baby. Let's get to bids. You're listening to Fantasy NHL Today. Thank you so much again for joining me. This is Fantasy NHL Today, and I am your host, Blake Creamer. Follow me on Twitter.com, at BlakeCreamerSE, and we've got a Discord, a Fantasy NHL Today Discord. Link is in the description. You got to get in there. You don't want to miss out on all the, you know, the the crazy hockey chat that could go on at some point, all right? Uh, Yeah, all right? We're going to get that Discord cooking, I promise. But it's the off-season, all right? People are on vacation. They don't give a hoot about what's going on with fantasy hockey, and that's fine. That's why I'm recording these episodes for you. You can listen to it on your vacation, you know, get get primed, get jacked for the upcoming season, which is three months away, four months. Oh, my God. It's it's depressing to me to think about how long it's going to be until we're talking about fantasy hockey again uh, with the new season. But, you know, we got some some good playoffs going on here Uh what the hell is going on with these playoffs? This is insane. Florida against Vegas. I don't think anybody called that bracket. If you did, hit me up on Twitter and bring the receipts because I want to see what's going on here. And then, yeah, it, uh, like who would who would have thought this? This is amazing. Um, you know, I am interested in the the final here. Um, you know, and I'll do a, a episode after the Stanley Cup has been won. Just talking about um, the the big performers in the playoffs and how it might translate into next season. We'll do a, do an episode there, but yeah, wow, um, Florida and Vegas did not see that coming. But you know, it's uh, there's a lot of parity in the NHL that gives hope for my uh, Canucks here. All right, just make the playoffs, my guys. What are you doing? Oh, it's freaking painful. But that's fine. All right. So, but we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about, um, we're doing the divisional series. We did Pacific Division last week, and now we're doing the Atlantic Division. I got eight players here for you, locked and loaded. Just eight players I'm interested in, uh, you know, to see what happens, you know, good and bad. I, I kind of, you know, I just want to bring your attention to a few of these players, and and we'll see what's what. All right. So let's just get into it. Let's start off um, with the Boston Bruins. Yeah, we'll talk about them. They had that historic season and then uh, laid an egg in the playoffs. Wow. You know, I did not see that coming either. So it's been just been that kind of year in fantasy hockey, but uh, lots of interesting storylines in Boston. The player I'm interested in watching next season, Jake DeBrusque. Trust me. 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 Yeah, Jake DeBrusque, he had a great season. Um, you know, a career-high season for him last year with the Bruins. So he played 64 games, and uh, he went for 50 points. That's pretty nice. 27 goals, 23 assists. He was on a 64-point pace last season. 
Um, and by all accounts, he, he had a great season, you know, it, uh, too bad he was injured for, for some of it there that definitely affected what went on there. But he, he spent most of the season on the top line with Brad Marchand and Patrice Bergeron. How's your burger? So, you know, that's a nice spot to be, obviously. Um, you know, this is his highest point pace that he's ever had. He did a lot of good things. So we'll, we'll, we'll do a little bit of a deep dive here into Jake DeBrusque. But just looking at his, his basic numbers here, he had a career high on the power play, 14 power play points. Um, you know, his time on ice was a career high, averaged 16 minutes and 47 seconds. And he spent a lot of the, the, the year on power play one. So a lot of things uh, that, that went or, you know, that were good opportunities for Jake DeBrusque. And he sort of ran with it. You know, he had his career high here, 50 points. So that that's nice. But um, why am I interested in him next season? Well, let's take a look. Uh, first off, and, and you'll notice kind of a trend here with some of these players, but Jake DeBrusque is in a contract year here with the Bruins. So I, I always like to, I, I don't buy that. It's just, if he's in a contract year, he's going to have a good season. No question there. Like, I'm not saying that, but um, it is something to just think about, right? Jake DeBrusque going into a contract year. It's just something... I think an extra bit of motivation for him to to do to perform, right? So uh, if we look at Jake DeBrusque's season under the hood, all right, um, Jake DeBrusque in 64 games with Boston this season, he had uh, 10.14 shots per 60 at even strength, or sorry, at five on five. That's excellent, right? We, we've you've heard me talk about that before. You've heard Nate talk about that before on Apples and Genos. Uh, any shots on goal per 60. Uh, 10 and over at, at 5v5, that's elite, right? That's elite shot generation. And obviously, you have to shoot a lot to score a lot, right? So um, Jake DeBrusque had that 10.14 shots and goal per 60. That's excellent. Overall, at all strengths, I mean, he was 29th in the league, shots on goal per 60. He was 64th in individual Corsi 4 per 60. And he was 30th in individual scoring chances 4 per 60. That's nice. That's what you want to see. Um, so... You know, I, I think Jake DeBrusque moving into next season, like he, he had a lot of good opportunities and a lot of things went well for him this season and he was able to put up 50 points and that's great. But I think there's there's more potential there, right? And why do I think that? Well, um, I think in Boston next season, there's going to be a deployment opportunity, right? You probably heard me on some episodes this season talking about the Bruins and players like Jake DeBrusque in particular. DeBrusque, Tyler Bertuzzi, Pavel Zaka, um, Krejci even. Just wingers and centers in, in the top six there that weren't the main guys. And I felt like they were, like Taylor Hall, for, for instance, as well. They're kind of eating into each other's minutes and eating into each other's value. Right, they had they had a glut of of good forwards, you know, fa potentially fantasy relevant forwards, and they kind of just, you know, suffocated each other's fantasy value, in my opinion. And Jake DeBrus was sort of in that boat. Like if you look at it, uh, Jake DeBrus played power play one and line one with Boston Bruins last year, and he only put up fifty points in sixty four games. Like you would think that would be more, right? He's playing with Bergeron and Marchand, so. Um, anyways, that's a long way of saying, I think there's going to be a lot of potential turnover in Boston. And I think, uh, this kind of glut of wingers is going to clear out guys like David Krejci, obviously he's a center and Bergeron, they're centers, but they're both unrestricted free agents and they both might not come back. Right. I think there's a lot of speculation that Bergeron is done. He's going to retire. Um, Krejci is probably, I, I wouldn't see him coming back. Ew, David. And then you look down the lineup as well. Tyler Bertuzzi is an unrestricted free agent. And granted, he had a great playoffs and played very well for Boston. So I could see them 
making a play to try and sign Tyler Bertuzzi. I think he he was a good fit there in Boston. But Garnett Hathaway as well, uh, the guy they picked up at the trade deadline, he's an unrestricted free agent. So, you know, I I think some of these players are going to move out. So I think that's going to open up some space for Jake DeBrusque. And I think next season, he's going to get a chance to play on that top line still. Um, Like, he was the guy they went with for most of the season. So on that top line, what does it look like next season? It might be Marshawn and, you know, Pavel Zaka or... You know, I'm not sure who they're going to put up on that top line. We'll have to sort of wait and see there. But I think it'll be Jake DeBrusque and Marshawn, you know, kind of flanking the, the top line center there. I think power play one is reasonable for him to come back as well. So I think in a contract year, I, I expect he's going to deliver, right? Especially with the underlying stats. I think none of them are, are out of hand and unreasonable, unattainable, or sorry, unsustainable. Um, I think he can do a lot more on the power play as well. So like I said, you know, he had a career high on the power play, but it's still only 14 points on one of the top ranked power plays in the league, right? So I think he can bump that up over 20, especially if he gets the same kind of consistent time that he had last season. So I think he's got a really solid floor and I, you know, I, he'll probably get 65 to 75 points. And I think the ceiling is honestly even higher than that, but that's going to depend on deployment, right? Um, you know, yeah, he, he did a career high here, 16 minutes, 47 seconds time on ice. But, you know, that's not really ind- indicative of a top-line winger, right? Can he get up another two minutes? Can he do 19 minutes time on ice? Is that something that, that we see Jake DeBrus? Because if so, I think, you know, his ceiling becomes a lot higher, right? I think you can almost pencil him in for 80, you know, and that, that's, I don't think that's a super hot take, but 70 to 80 points if he gets a couple more minutes and, and maintains his deployment here. Yeah, that looks good to me. Plus, Jake DeBrusque is a beefer. Yeah, I mean, he can be a beefer, all right? 85 hits in 64 games. I love that. So, you know, if he's playing 82 games, he's going to get you over 100 hits. That's great for a forward. He's, he does that, right? So um, very good in category leagues as well. Um, and he's upping his shots as well, which I like to see, right? So he can help you there. He's just a good player, and I think I wasn't too interested in him, in him last season because of the just the talent they had there in Boston and all the wingers, but I think some of those guys are going to clear out, including Bergeron and Krejci. So that's going to open up space for players like, you know, if they re-sign Tyler Bertuzzi and Jake DeBrusque, and he's the first man up on the top line. So Jake DeBrusque, welcome to the show. I think he's going to have a career year next season as well and then uh, get a massive contract and then fail miserably. Okay? Way to go, Jake. Hey. All right, moving on. Let's talk about the Buffalo Sabres. They had a very nice offensive season. You know, just missed the playoffs. That's too bad. But um, there's a lot of guys uh, that I'm interested in on Buffalo, that's for sure. So I was trying to pick one that's a bit more of a, you know, kind of under-the-radar guy. And I landed on Casey Middlestad. I think this is a really interesting player. Um, You know, he finished the season, the last 11 games, he had 17 points. That's awesome. Um, you know, at the end of the season, you know, Tage Thompson was in and out of the lineup there. So Casey Middlestadt was up centering Alex Tuck and Jeff Skinner. So he, he, he was kind of the first man up there, which I like to see. And also Casey Middlestadt coming into this next season contract year. Yeah, it matters. I think it definitely matters. So, I mean, before we get into that, let's take a look at what Middlestadt did this last season here. So he played all 82 games. That's excellent. 59 points in 82 games, uh, so that's 15 goals, 44 assists. Keep in mind, 17 points in his last 11, right? So that season doesn't look as good if he doesn't go on a heater uh, in the last 11 games there, right? But 59 points, not too shabby. I like that. 
Um, he did some good work on the power play. He got a career high on power play points, 16 power play points. That's excellent. Um, his time on ice was, he averaged less time on ice than he did last season. So last season, 16 minutes and seven seconds average time on ice. This last season, 15 minutes and 44 seconds. Right, so he's kind of hovering around in that third line minute range, second line minute range with second line power play. That's sort of the player that Casey Middlestat has been thus far, right? But um, this was a breakout season for him. I mean, last season in Buffalo, 40 games, 19 points. This last season, 82 games, 59 points. That's that's a clear breakout for him and a player that's on the rise, right? So I like that, Casey. Um, but the problem is, you know, and I, I did say he's in a contract year, so I think he's he's going to be gunning for, you know, the, his best showing, that's for sure. But where the hell does this man fit on this team, right? Is he top six? I, I don't know. Like, yeah, maybe. You know, they've got some good young players there, and they have Tage, who's going to center line one, and then they've got Dylan Cousins, who's probably going to center line two. So that, that's, that makes things a little more difficult for um, Middlestad, right? Um, like I said, where does he fit? Is he top six? Is he top nine? Can he increase his ice time here and power play time? Like, like he's gonna, he's an offensive player, but I think he needs a bit more, he, he needs more deployment to really hit here. So, um, I just think deployment's going to be the issue and I don't see where it's going to come from the way this team is constructed for next season. Right. So what I'd love to see is Casey Mills, I get two more minutes, right. And then, um, you know, maybe get on power play one. That, that's obviously what I'd like to see for everybody I'm interested in. But, you know, he's only he played under 16 minutes last year. So it'd be nice if he could get two more minutes. But I just don't see where that's going to come from. Right. He, he may get a slight increase in, in time, uh, you know, time on ice. But I don't think it's going to be enough to make a huge difference in his overall numbers. That said, he's an offensive talent, like I said. And the way he finished the season, uh, it, it just gives some hope and promise that uh, he might have another gear that he can find, right? And he also appears to be the first man up on the top line if anybody gets injured. I do like that, you know. Um, as far as, as sort of the advanced stats with Casey Middlestat, it, they don't, they're, they're nothing really to write home about, you know. Shots and goal per 60 last season, 6.03. That show ain't no good, come on. Um, you know, so he's not really shooting a lot. He did get uh, 6.31 individual scoring chances, four per 60. So he's, he's being selective with his shots, you know, but I don't think he's going to be a big goal scorer in this league. I think he's going to be more of a kind of a playmaker or play driver, uh, but not, not so much a, a trigger man. You know what I mean? Um, and also that, that said too, I think his on ice shooting percentage, especially at, um, at five on five, I think that's got some room to grow, you know, but Obviously, I think he's got to get into that top six for that to, to, to kind of increase, right? He needs a, a little bit better line mates to play with. So, um, yeah, that said, Casey Middlestad, I think you can sort of expect maybe a 50 to 60-point season again next year. But, you know, if, if he does get that extra deployment and power play time, I think, you know, you could probably throw another 15, 20 points on top of that. This, this is a good player, and he's a young player. He's only 24. Um, and I think he might have another gear, but it just might not happen in Buffalo this upcoming season. Okay. Let's move on. Let's talk about the Detroit Red Wings. And yeah, they, they got a lot of interesting players. They got my boy, Elmer Soderblom. Magic helmet, and I'll give you a sample. Yeah, 
We're not going to talk about him because he just doesn't have a big enough sample size, but I, I love that player. I'm interested in that player. Uh, Michael Rasmussen liked that player a lot. I want to see what he does. Um, Simon Edvinson, like they, they got some really interesting pieces. I love Dylan Larkin. You know what? I'm kind of a Detroit fan. I got to say that. Um, but anyways, the player I'm going to talk about that I'm, I'm going to be watching next season is Jake Wallman. The def- on defense for the Detroit Red Wings, Jake Wallman. Um, yeah, this is, it's just an interesting player for me. Like I'm, I'm interested to see what he's going to do. So right now, Jake Wallman, uh, first off, he's locked in for three years at a very reasonable, you know, 3.4 million per with the Detroit Red Wings. So he's good to go there. He's locked into an awesome contract. Um, and his advanced numbers are pretty reasonable and I'll get into those in a second, but first I want to talk about kind of just what Jake Wallman did last season. So last season, Jake Wallman, 63 games, he got 18 points. That, that, that's, you know, not, not really super fantasy relevant, but nine goals, that's, that's not too bad, right? Um, I like nine goals from a defenseman here. Um, so that was a 23-point pace, nothing great. I mean, Detroit did not have a good year offensively. We know that. Um, yeah. Jake Wallman played just under, uh, this is the most he's ever played. So uh, his average ice time was 19 minutes, 43 seconds. So that's kind of second line pairing, third line even pairing to me. But, you know, for the last half of the season, especially, he was he was top line pairing with uh, Mo Sider. They're heading for the old mill. No, we're not. Well, let's go to the old mill anyway. Get some cider. And he was also getting power play two towards the end of the season. He was kind of, He was quarterbacking power play two. So that all said, I mean, he had two power play points. Stinky, but uh, peripherally, he did a nice job, at least with blocks. So in 63 games, he had 47 hits. Oh, buddy, that's no good. But 121 blocks in 63 games, yes. Yes, please. So that's nice. That's like a Jared Spurgeon type of player, you know, without kind of some of the offense that Spurgeon's bringing. But anywho, let's look under the hood with Jake Wallman. You know, on the season at all strength, Jake Wallman was 13th overall in shots on goal per 60. Jake Wallman, 13th. So, you know, that's great. That's what we want to see. Individual Corsi, 4 per 60. Jake Wallman, 31st overall. Individual scoring chances, 4 per 60. 43rd overall in the league. Defenseman. So, um, there's some good stuff cooking under the hood with Jake Wallman. And I think there's a little bit more opportunity available to him this upcoming season, right? Um he, I, he's, I think he's locked in as the power play two quarterback with uh, Hronik gone, right? And and this last season, Mo Sider and Hronik kind of flip-flop power play one and power play two. So does Wallman get a look on power play one at some point this season? Maybe. I don't know. Um, I think Jake Wallman's on-ice shooting percentage was extremely low. So I think that's got room for positive regression. He shoots very well for a D-man. I think Jake Wallman has 40-point potential. That call me crazy, call it a hot take. I don't know, call it a pancake. But I think this guy's got 40 point potential. He's not going to blow the doors down. I, like Jake Wallman to me is a streamer, really, with good blocks and low key power play numbers. I think he has potential for. The big thing is how is he going to be deployed next season? And I think that it's very reasonable he's going to get bumped over 20 minutes time on ice next season, maybe, you know, 21 minutes average time on ice. Uh, and with that, I think more goals and probably a couple more power play points. I think Wallman should definitely be rostered in, you know, deeper leagues. And I just, I just, I'm interested in the player. I think he could get some opportunities in Detroit, you know, if, uh, if anybody goes down, like this is a good player. He's, he's, um, he's 27 years old. This is really only his, his, 
this is coming into his fourth season in the NHL. And sometimes that's a threshold for players as well. They go into their fourth season and things start to really click, right? And, and I'm not saying Jake Wallman's going to pop off for a bunch of points, but, you know, he had 18 points last season. I think there's definitely, like, we're looking at 35 to 40 range next season, I think. And I think he could repeat the nine goals, maybe even more, maybe 10, 11, 12 goals. That's nice. That's valuable, right, from your defenseman. So, uh, Jake Wallman, keep an eye on him, especially when Detroit has a good schedule next season. I think this guy's going to be an ad. He's got an awesome number. Number 96. Oh, my God, buddy. That's like the Russian rocket. Oh, yeah. I actually like really high jersey numbers. I know old school guys uh, aren't really into it, but yeah, give me, give me, uh, give me the highest numbers you got. I, let's get into triple digits. I think that'd be sweet too. That's that's kind of a that's kind of a crazy take as well. Don't don't judge me. Don't at me. All right, but uh, yeah, let's let's get these guys into triple digit numbers. I'm, I'm into it. All right, that's neither here nor there. But what is here is talking about the Florida Panthers, the Eastern Conference champions. How? Why? How did this happen? Um, they have a lot of good players. Let's, let's be real. Like they, they're one season removed from an insane offensive season. Everybody's popping and then they bring a new coach in and it takes a while. It takes a while to get going. But I mean, obviously bringing Matt, Matt Kachuk in here, this guy is a game breaker and he's doing that. He's breaking games. He's breaking hearts as well. Um, just it's, it's been unbelievable. Uh, the playoffs that Kachuk has had, Bobrovsky has had, oh my God, you're off the case. Bobrovsky shout out the Jay on rate. Well, McGonagall, Billy is dead. They slit his throat from ear to ear. Hey, I'm trying to eat lunch here. Yeah, it's, it's obscene. Um, but that, those aren't the players I want to talk about. I want to talk about Anthony Duclair. All right. Um, Again, I'm just interested in this guy. What what is going to happen for him next season? Um, I, I really think that this is going to be a pivotal year uh, upcoming for Anthony Duclair. Um, in the playoffs here, he's shown out okay. You know, he's got I guess nine points in the playoffs so far. He's been playing on a line with Barkov and Verhage, so um, you know it's a decent showing, right? But that all said. Um, Anthony Duclair is coming off a very down season, right? And and marred by injuries. He only played 20 games last season. But it wasn't a good 20 games in terms of fantasy. Um, and that's why I'm interested in this player as well is because the people are going to be sleeping on this man for sure. Like, th- this is not a good showing. So he played 20 games. He got nine points in those 20 games for a 37-point pace. Um, that's the lowest he's had since, you know, 2018-19 when he played with Columbus and Ottawa. So... Not a great season there. Not a big sample size, as we know. But, you know, last year with Florida, uh, he had 58 points in 74 games. I think that's that's why people were stashing Anthony Duclair with his injury and and just hoping that he really hit when he came back. But, you know, that that it just wasn't the case, unfortunately, this year. Um, you know, his big season last year, though, he had 31 goals. That was on 18.6 shooting percentage. That's insane. That's, that's a very high shooting percentage for this man. Um, that said, this season in 20 games... His shooting percentage was 4.7. You think that's going to stay that way? I don't think so. That's the lowest of his career. His career average is 13.2. So, you know, let's get it back up to his career average or just under it even. And we're looking at a way better season here for Anthony Duclair. So that all said, let's let's get into this man. I'm, I'm yammering on, but... Um, you know, he's got great opportunity in Florida. First off, if he stays with Barkov and Verhege, that's a great line for him. This last season as well, zero power play points. Zero. 
Um, you know, and he was bumped off the top power play. So that's obviously a factor. Um, in 2021, 22, he had 21 power play points on the top power play there. So, um, obviously that's a huge drop off zero power play points. That's, that's going to get better. He's not going to get zero power play points. They're going to put this man out on the power play, right? But if you look at some of, um, Anthony Duclair's advanced stats at five V five, you know, his shots on goal per 60, reasonable uh, at 8.13, right? I, it's been higher in the past. I mean, you know, uh, he shot more this year, shots on goal per 60 higher than he did last year when he had his big kind of output there, right? The big issue is the conversion, the shooting percentage, um, you know, which we already talked about, right? But um, he put, he had a higher individual Corsi 4 per 60 than last season. So um, last season, 11.94 Corsi 4 per 60. This season, 15.56 Corsi for so he's putting way more shots towards the net like a significant amount um individual scoring chances for are up by almost two as well so he just wasn't converting right that that's that's clear um so that says to me like those are going to start going in right he's going to have a lot of positive regression next season how much i don't know but i think again another contract year here he's got something to prove florida uh, i don't know like if if they win the stanley cup oh my god I just, I, I just can't believe it. It'd be crazy. So, um, obviously they'd be flying high and feeling good. So I think there's, there's a good chance that Anthony Duclair is going to, um, definitely beat the numbers that he has already. So last season, 58 points. I think that's probably, you know, a good place to start with Anthony Duclair this upcoming season, 55 points to 65 points. Um, I like him there and that all depends on deployment and power play, right? So in, again, in his big season with Florida last season, he only averaged 15 minutes on ice. And he, he was just under that this last season. So nothing changed there, per se. He just stopped converting at a, an insane rate, right? So that's going to come back up. But what if he gets more ice time, too? What if he gets a little more power play time? I think, you know, he came off a big injury, and you can kind of see the result here. So that all said, I think Anthony DeClaire is going to be available for you late in drafts, and I think he's absolutely worth a pickup. Um, he puts up some good uh, advanced statistics, and I think he could be probably good for 55 to 65 points next season minimum. All right? So get Anthony DeClaire in your life. That's just a player I'm watching I'm interested in. Maybe Stanley Cup champion Anthony DeClaire. I can't believe it, my God. Let's move on. We're still talking. We're talking about the Montreal Canadiens now. And a player I wanted to bring your attention to, I, I would honestly just talk about uh, the professor, Mike Matheson, again, because I love that man, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to talk about his potential D partner, Caden Goul. Goulet? Get, I, Goul, I don't even know. All right, I'll figure out how to say this man's name. That's my guarantee to you. But Caden Goulet, or Goul, he had a great... Great looking rookie season here. Um, you know, he it was marred by injuries, but he, he ended up playing 44 games, uh, had 18 points in those 44 games, including four goals and 14 assists. Um, just a nice, nice showing right off the bat. I mean, this guy is a first round draft pick. He was picked 16th overall in 2020. So they kind of just rushed him right in. He got uh, 20, 20 minutes, 31 seconds average time on ice. He got a little bit of power play time on, on power play two. Um, but check this out. In 44 games, this guy had 84 hits and 77 blocks. Yes. Yes, please. All right. So that says to me, Caden Goulet is going to be, he's going to be a Cats League uh, streamer at the very least next season. But I think, he, I think he could get a little bit more opportunity here in Montreal because they don't have anyone other than Mike Matheson. So 
Um, Caden Goulet, let's talk about him. So he had a knee injury, he had a shoulder injury, and then he had a high ankle sprain. And it just took him out for the remainder of the year. And I, I mean, I looked under the hood at this man, and the analytics don't really show a player that, that he was on the ice. Um, he was getting first-line pairing minutes like a champion. All right, that's excellent. I love to see that. Um, at one point, uh, Caden led rookie defenders in points um, until injuries derailed his season, right? But this guy's just a beefer. He's beefer Sutherland, and he, he, he's put up points at pretty much every level that he's played at. So he's got some offense, and he's going to be bringing the perifs, no question. I think this guy could be a late-round flyer in your drafts and is a player I'm definitely watching going into training camp. Like, how are they going to deploy this man? I mean, I love Mike Matheson, but if training camp comes out and they're putting Caden Gooley on the power play one and Mike Matheson on power play two, that's going to change sort of my thoughts on Mike Matheson. And it's going to really bump this man's uh, um, potential, right? So I love the fact that he got over 20 minutes average time on ice this season. I think that is going to be strong with probably even more because they don't have a lot of you know guys in the pipeline ready to come and do this. And this guy showed out. I thought he showed really well. I think he's a great player, a great prospect, a great dynasty player. Like, like get this guy in your team out. You know, I think he's going to be a good defenseman for a long time. And hopefully the injury bug is behind him here. But I like the player. Get him in your life. I'll figure out how to say his last name. But until then, Goulet. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about the Ottawa Senators and the season that wasn't. Um, yeah, they had a lot of guys underachieve, except for my man, Timmy Stutes. Yeah, he did a bunch of crazy crap. 90 points. Timmy Stutes, what a legend. Love you, beautiful head of hair. We understand this. All right, but there was a bunch of guys on the team that didn't really perform to standards, right? And one of them we're going to talk about here today, player I'm interested in, Drake Batherson. Yeah, I stayed away from this guy in the draft season because I thought there was a chance that he might, you know, not play during the season because of some of the off-ice stuff that was going on. But he ended up playing all 82 games, so... At least now, it doesn't seem like that's that's going to be something that affects him moving forward. So I'm going to be valuing him a little bit differently this upcoming season. So let's look at the season that uh, Drake Batheson had. So 82 games. Um, he was able to play a full 82 this season. That's the first time for him. You know, he's he's uh, been injury. Uh, he's had a lot of injuries throughout his career and, not, and hasn't been able to finish the whole season so far. So that's nice to see. 82 games, 62 points, 22 goals, 40 assists, 62 points. That's excellent. Minus 34. That, that, that's, that's, that, that's no good. Um, but he did a lot of good things here. He got, um, career highs in hits for 115 career highs in blocks, 35 and career high in power play points with 29, including 14 power play goals. That's excellent. That's, that's elite power play right there. Um, and Ottawa obviously had a good one. He was uh, uh, on the number one power play for the entire year, but pretty much he played just under four minutes um, on the power play. That's excellent. And his time on ice actually went down. His average time on ice went down from 1856 last season to 1836 this season. So still good. Still getting, you know, first, second line minutes. And obviously the power play is what propped up his points there. But when, when the reason I'm interested in Drake Batheson, he massively underachieved that even strength, like massively. Um, his, his numbers were just fully power play driven, and that and that's really it. So um, he played with the Brinkett and the Pinto Bean, uh, Shane Pinto, for most of the season. But yeah, his shooting percentage was way down. All right, like if you look um, at even strength, Drake Batheson's shooting percentage um, last season at five on five, his shooting percentage was fourteen percent. This season at five on five, four point one four percent. 
that's a massive drop off, obviously. So that's kind of the two ends of the spectrum there, I think, with Drake Matheson, right? So that's going to come up. I think it's going to get back up to double digits, let's say 10, 11, 12. That's sort of what I'm projecting for, for Batherson here. But that said, every other advanced stat went up, right? His individual course E4 went up. His uh, individual scoring chances for went up. His uh, high danger scoring chances for went up. So those are all good signs. It's just he just wasn't converting. And then his on-ice shooting percentage was a joke uh, at 5-on-5. Five five. You know, he had his on-ice shooting percentage was 6.63. Last season, it was 10.17. So... Yeah, he, he's not getting any help from his teammates, and he's not, you know, he's not putting the puck in himself. So that line in particular really had a hard time converting. Alex DeBrinkett uh, was was another guy that you know you can kind of put in the same boat with Batheson here. Shooting percentage was down; it was bad. Um, so yeah, but the power play was amazing. So I, I think that if he can get his numbers up at even strength, now now we can be looking at a point a game player because um, right now. 62, 62 points in 82 games. That's nice. But, you know, when you have 29 power play points and only 62 overall points, like that that just doesn't seem right. You know, so I think he massively under, underachieved. He wasn't able to convert the way he wanted to. One good thing about Batheson, he's a banger. He's a beefer and he does that. Is it still hot out there? Did you catch a game last night? Have you tried the lasagna? It's my favorite. Um, so... You know, he's really good in category leagues as well. I think that Batherson could potentially go into the radar next season just due to the down offensive season that he had here. And I just really think there's so many reasons to believe that he's going to destroy his previous season numbers. And we talked about that positive regression that is likely to happen. Also, throw in Josh Norris is going to be returning as well. So instead of playing with the Pinto Bean, he's going to play, be playing with Josh Norris, who's going to be a staple in that lineup. He has a massive contract. He's going to, you know... He's going to be the second-line center. Him, Batherson, and uh, Alex DeBrinkett as a second line. My goodness, that's ridiculous. So I think all, all this to say, I think this is a major breakout candidate and someone that people are going to be sleeping on. He might be dropping in drafts. Um, they got amazing offensive firepower in Ottawa. I think you got to look at Drake Batherson, and I can't wait to see sort of where the ADP pops out so we can, we can see how much value we're going to get on this man. Because I think he's going to be good. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about the T-Bay Lightning. And, you know, they got a lot of interesting players. We can talk about Sergachev. We can talk about Hedman, what he, you know, what he's going to do. Ross Colton, I like those guys. But I chose Tanner Janot. Um, Yeah, and, and this isn't based on anything other than what the hell are they going to do with this man? They, 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 they went all in to pick up Tanner Janot. They traded a player, and then they traded a first a second, a third, a fourth, and a fifth round pick for Tanner Janot. Nuts. All right. Just, just how? I, it didn't make any sense at the time. And, and, you, and I like to give people the benefit of the doubt. I'm like, these, these guys are professionals. I mean, who's the GM there in Tampa? Is Julian Brisebois? Uh, yeah, I can't remember his name, but like, he knows what he's doing. He's, he's put together Stanley Cup championship teams. Like, okay, you went and just sold the farm for Tanner Janot. Like, maybe they know something we don't. Or maybe they don't, all right? Because Tanner Janot, in his time with Tampa Bay, what the hell? Oh, my God, it was bad. So 76 games overall between Nashville and Tampa. Six goals, 12 assists for 18 points. That show stinks, as we know, 
Okay, <laughs> that's that's not what was expected. I mean, Tanner Janot broke out last year uh, with Nashville. Um, 81 games played, 24 goals, and 41 points. That was unexpected totally. And Tanner Janot was an interesting player going into last year's draft season because, I don't know, like, it, he did all that without any power play time. Like, um, you know, how were they going to deploy him, basically? And it's it's kind of the same going into this season, only there's less hope, to be honest. Like, he was able to do nothing with Tampa Bay. And in fact, they really cut his ice time. Like, his last game, um, you know, he was playing sometimes under 10 minutes, right? Or just over 10 minutes with Tampa Bay. It, it wasn't a good season for Tanner Janot, and he was not even close to replicating what he did there. So how is Tampa going to deploy him? Um he, like I said, he couldn't come close to his Nashville production, and he's going to need a lot of things to go right for that to happen again. And deployment is a huge one, right? His shot percentage was way down this year. He had zero power play time, zero. So how are the Bolts going to justify this? Uh, Tanner Snow is a restricted free agent, so I think when you get uh, put that much capital down to get this man, I, I think you got to resign him. So they're going to resign him, I think, and see what happens. He's a Cats League unit. There's no question there, but uh, like, I just think it's looking more and more like those 24 goals were completely unsustainable. And moving forward, I don't see how that's going to happen again unless a lot of things change. And that means he's going to have to get in the top six and he's going to have to get some power play time, right? Um, we'll see. I, I don't know, but I'm interested. And first off, I'm interested to see if they sign him, right? Like, what did they see in this guy? Why did they, why did they give up so much to get Tanner Janot? It doesn't make any sense, right? He, yeah, he hits, no question. This guy hits like a truck, and he hits at volume, right? Like, look, look actually, just look at some of Tenor's and O's work here. Um, last season with Nashville, 318 hits in 81 games. Jeez, buddy, calm down. And then this last season with Nashville and Tampa, he had 290 hits. So he's going to be among the hits leaders in the league, this guy. But that much capital, a player and five picks for just a, a hitter, like someone who hits? Man, that, that makes no sense. So, I don't know. I, I do expect Tanner Janot's shooting percentage to go up. Like, if you look at his two seasons so far, um, you know, in the first season with Nashville, it was only 15 games, but 21% that year, 19.4% last year with 24 goals, and then 5.6% this year. So, I expect that's going to go up, but he's going to need a consistent role, and he's going to have to get comfortable with his new team. I don't know. What, what kind of points would I... Maybe 30 points for Tanner Janot? with insane hits. Like, this guy will be on your radar in a category league, no question, but I don't know, 30 points, maybe max. I, I don't I don't like what I'm seeing with Tanner Janot, but, uh, you know, maybe they know something we don't. I don't know. And lastly, let's talk about the tortured Toronto Maple Leafs. And, you know, lots of good players there. I, I do want to talk about um, William Nylander. This is a player, I'm, uh, obviously, it, it's not rocket science. This guy's incredible. He had an amazing season there with um, Toronto. 82 games, played all 82 games, and got 87 points. So career high for him, 40 goals, 47 assists. Um, one thing I loved that Neil Ender did is he upped his shots. You know, um, last season, 3.2 shots per game. This season, 3.6. That's awesome. And he's just a rock on the power play. So 28 power play points. Again, he's, you know, he's killing... His ice time was a, was a career high, 18 minutes, 33 seconds. I think that has room to grow too. So he's just, he just had a great year. He increased in almost every advanced statistic um, and not in a way that I think is unsustainable, right? Like at, at five on five, his shots on goal per 60, 10.88. He's finally at that elite level that we like to see. 
Um, his, his individual scoring chances, 4 per 60, 11.9, elite level. That's exactly what we like to see. High danger scoring chances, four. Those were up, right? Um, he just had a good year, and, and it was incrementally better, right? It's not like something just went, you know, jumping off the page where you're like, oh, that, that doesn't make any sense. That's due for some regression. Like, no, his IPP is reasonable. Um, you know, his shooting percentage is pretty much the same. Like, last season, 13.3%. This season, 13.7%. So he's not doing anything that's so crazy. He's just getting better. He's getting better as a player. And I thought he was Toronto's best player besides Morgan Riley in the playoffs, Right, Nylander was the one who came really came to play and was converting. So I'm just looking forward to seeing this player next season. I think that um, he's also in a contract year as well, right? So I think that William Nylander it has a hundred points in him for sure, but he's going to need a little bit more deployment. I think he's going to need kind of those Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner numbers, right? Can he get up like 19 and a half, maybe 20 minutes? If, if they get William Nylander up there, I think we're looking at a 100-point Nylander, and, and I'm here for it because I think he's a great player. Um, you know, and we'll see. I hope, he, I hope he gets paid, right? Like he's, he's, quite a, he's quite a bargain contract right now, the way this man plays. And I think, too, when, when Matthews was out, uh, this guy shouldered the load. So I'm a big fan of William Nylander, and that's the player I'm interested there in Toronto. And that's really it. That's all I got. I, I, I'm, I'm enjoying these uh, divisional series, um, and I'm going to look back on them, right? Like, I'm trying to pick players that I know are going to be there next season that are going to have, you know, some interesting things around them. Obviously, there's lots of, of uh, things that can change. You know, we're doing these right now in June. It's June 1st. But, you know, we'll, we'll, see, we'll see what happens. I, I'm going to be looking back on these players and kind of seeing how these takes age and... Next, we'll move into the Metropolitan Division. I just like saying that word, so that's where we're going um, and see what's going on with those beauties. Um, but if you like what you hear, everybody, please, you know, leave me a review. If you could go drop a, you know, drop a five-star um, rating, that would be excellent. That just helps me get this out to more people. And that's what you want, don't you? We, we, want, we want a team, all right? We want a fantasy NHL Today team, all right? And you're part of it. You can help me. Just give me a rating. Do me, do me a solid, all right? But that's it. I will jump in, in uh, next week with the Metropolitan Division. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. I really appreciate you. Also, uh, as I did last week, go check out my brother, uh, his website. He's got... Um, his information is in the show description. Um, he writes all the music for Fantasy NHL Today, and he's a professional musician as well. And he makes music for video games and other projects. So if you need anything like that, get your biscuits over to his website. I've got it in the description here. But that's it. Thank you so much, everybody. I'll talk to you soon. Celebrate your day. Bye for now. A rational explanation is hardly necessary.